How to win a bar fight and practice diplomacy while negotiating a bounty on your head. From Civil Wars, Whistleblower Tactics, Schematic Drafting, and the Finer Points of Sith Adoption, The Essential How-To Guide for the Engineering Jedi, by Jack Daw read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 9 Desperate of despair, I surrender to its will. How the day had so quickly devolved into such a complete clusterfuck that he was pretty sure it could be classified as a clusterfuck squared, Veers couldn't even begin to comprehend. It had already started to go sideways the very moment they arrived, when a last-minute tip had come in that had prevented him from joining the two lords at their entrance, instead sending him clear across the area to the other side of the plaza. Much to his everlasting joy, he'd gotten bogged down there trying to further coordinate with the city officials in setting up an even more secure perimeter that didn't violate any of the local laws. When that had finally been resolved, and he'd been mostly satisfied with how secure it was, he'd gotten a tip that suspicious figures had been seen inside the city hall, and that Lars had felt someone following him with ill intent, and Truparaco had added with a knowing tone that Zev was with him, and apparently in the company of two other youths of his age, and that he seemed largely content and happy with his situation, as he'd accompanied Lars into the buffet hall for a break from, well, whatever they'd been up to. Despite the ominous news, it had been a bright spot in his day to know that, despite how little his son ever seemed to talk about anything or anyone in a positive light when it came to his time at the academy, he'd still been able to form some friendships. He just hoped they would be able to stay in contact once he got working as Lars' secretary. And then the buffet hall had blown up in an explosion that had rocked the whole building. How or why, no one seemed to know and there hadn't been any time either to figure it out, because not moments later, over three dozen supposed guests and organizers had thrown off their robes and disguises and revealed themselves to be both armed to the teeth and out for blood. Grabbing civilian hostages and setting off more explosions around the building in short order afterwards, chaos had reigned supreme, and he'd been fully occupied directing his men into an impromptu battlefield where civilians were still running around like a headless mob caught in full fight-or-flight response. At least until Lord Vader had had enough, and disabled any further bombs with a furious swipe of his hand, several explosions freezing midair in a violation of physics that had still made his brain hurt whenever he tried to think of it. Any hostage-takers still left after that had been similarly, um, disabled, with a truly enraged roar, before anything else had been able to register as the impossibly still explosions fizzled out like sparklers, Lord Vader had taken off towards the buffet hall with a speed that he'd only seen before in grainy holovids from the incident, and Veers naturally had followed his commander into what wasn't exactly a battle, but certainly felt like one. He nearly wished he hadn't. The whole buffet hall had been a bloodbath, broken glass and broken bodies scattered everywhere, people wailing, crying, whimpering, either in pain, fear, or both, unless they were laying still and silent and likely dead, if not close to it. And Zev had last been seen here. That fact would have made him grind to a halt if it weren't for well-worn instincts kicking in as he began to redirect his men, ordering what few medics they had to begin tending to the injured while Lord Vader scoured the bodies with a feverish desperation. 
pacing like a caged rancor amongst the bodies scattered around the hall and twice as angry as one, it had been little surprise to Veers that well-worn fear and dread of his commander had settled back in around him like a coat dusted off after seasons of disuse. He'd hoped he'd never have to contend with those sensations again, and even now he still shuddered to think of what would have happened if Lars had been found amongst those bodies. But he hadn't, and neither had any of the other companions a stone-faced Rocco described to them after she'd been summoned for the investigation, not even Zev. He hadn't even bothered to hide the shuddering sigh of relief that had swept through him at those words, enraged commander be damned. His son was missing, yes, but there was a chance, however faint, that he was still alive, and... The captive mercenary gurgled out a truly horrific noise as his eyes rolled in his head, drool dripping down his front as it foamed up around his mouth. Veers winced as he once more directed his gaze away from the spectacle, desperately trying to think about anything other than what was happening in front of him. He understood the necessity of what Lord Vader was doing. They needed the information as soon as they could get it after all, but force that didn't make the way the man was stripping it directly out of the captives' minds any easier to behold or be around. He was a general for crying out loud, not an interrogator. Shooting an enemy point-blank and getting their blood all over you was one thing when they were trying to kill you just as much, but this... This violated every sense of what he knew was possible and also everything he knew was impossible in one of the most twisted ways he could imagine. If Piet hadn't drunkenly confided in him that he'd gotten a stiff reprimand from his lordship on how torture made his job a whole lot harder, he would have thought that that was exactly what his lordship was doing. As it stood, torture it may not be, but horrifying, and a likely violation of a couple of intrinsic sentient rights it certainly still was. The mercenary made another horrific sound, like he was being forced to goggle water while being choked, which, considering who his interrogator was, may not even be too far off the mark, and he resumed his desperate attempts at keeping a straight face by thinking about anything but what was happening in front of him. A distraction. He needed a distraction, and thankfully thoughts of his son were proving to still do the trick even while he was standing less than six paces away from where Lord Vader was looming over one of their captives, carefully twisting and turning his hand as he exercised his odd powers. At least he was back to the familiar cold and ruthless demeanor that Veers had come to associate with his commander on a mission instead of the raging whirlwind he had been upon first discovering that Lars was nowhere to be found or apparently sensed. How that worked, Veers had no idea, but apparently the fact that Lars had somehow lost both his tracker and calm wasn't the only way he'd suddenly become untraceable. Something which was disturbingly similar to how Zev was entirely unreachable as well. No calm call could get through to his son, and any attempts at tracing a signal had turned up entirely fruitless as well, a fact which the Quadras had shakily confirmed was the case for their son as well, who'd had a high-end calm on him not even an hour ago and yet couldn't be reached by any means now. Nothing had worked, and according to Sergeants Slice and Volt, it was like everyone in the group last seen with Lars had suddenly just vanished. Gone without leaving even an electronic footprint, something that, needless to say, had been the last thing anyone wanted to hear. And the way three nearby windows had spontaneously cracked apart and crashed in a shower of shards when Lord Vader had received the news only reinforced that. 
Admittedly, Veers himself had been close to breaking something too upon realizing that there was no lead on Zeb's whereabouts, but the mere idea of likening himself to Lord Vader in any way had been enough to nearly send him reeling backwards into one of the few windows still intact, and he devoided those thoughts ever since. But the fact of the matter was that it seemed likely that discovering whatever happens to Lars would also lead them to his son. So when he'd been informed there had been sightings of more mercs in the nearby Green Key Station, he'd immediately sent out his best people to grab the mercs. Alive. Admittedly, he hadn't quite known what to expect when a viciously snarling Commander Cody had hauled a bruised and bloodied merc into the garden path just outside the blasted-out buffet hall where they'd set up shop, but it certainly wasn't for Lord Vader to do what he was doing right now. Well, that wasn't entirely true. He'd expected the interrogation. He hadn't expected it to happen in the middle of a sun-dappled garden path surrounded by greenery and the peaceful sounds of nature, as the unfortunate Feline mercenary they'd captured rolled his head like a man possessed, which, considering the nature of what was happening, might actually be a rather accurate comparison. He sighed and shifted slightly as the merc spat out another disgustingly wet sound, eyes rolling around in his head, and Veers could almost feel a twinge of sympathy if it weren't for the fact that this guy was the only lead he had on finding his son. With a final twitch of his hand, Lord Vader seemed to pull back out of the man's mind, the feline dropping like a stone onto the ground with a low whine as his lordship tilted his head, seemingly considering something. The mercenary, what he'd learned, or even just the stones used as tiles, who could tell? So that is what happened, Lord Vader muttered eventually, crossing his arms, still looking at the nearly catatonic mercenary. My lord? He asked carefully, old wariness around the man back in full force now that Lars was both not here and missing. A small blessing was that his commander at least had a solid target for any potential rage and cruelty that wasn't any of the officers or soldiers. Inform your men that we know the identity of our enemy now, General, his lordship responded lowly, still not taking his eyes off the non-responsive merc. They're a mercenary group calling themselves the Sixth Company, and they're after the bounty on Luke's head. Their plan was to capture him either by guile or by force, but it seems they've failed in their endeavor. He tilted his mask a little lower towards the gibbering mercenary. Rather miserably at that, he added on, and Veers was definitely not imagining the disdain in his lordship's voice, but... Yes, my lord. But if they fail to capture Engineer Lars and his son, then where are he and his companions now? he asked already typing up the notification for his troops on his HUD. Lord Vader growled out a static-laden sound that had Veers freeze in his tracks, already regretting that. Lord Vader rumbled, fingers twitching in irritation as the Falene groaned weakly on the ground. Neither they nor I know at the time, as Luke managed to evade their grasp and fled the scene alongside his companions. We will need the transport log from Green Key Station in order to learn where the transport they took was destined for. Wait. A transport, my lord? He asked, looking up from the message he was about to send out. It seems that in the chaos and in an effort to preserve their lives, Luke elected to outmaneuver the Sixth Company with rather drastic measures, Lord Vader answered, 
and it could just be his imagination, but for a moment Veers swore that his commander stood a little straighter at those words. Rather effective measures, it seems. And it had to be his imagination, but Veers could swear that there was something in his lordship's demeanor in that moment that was almost proud, but still. We could enlist the aid of the Quarrows, my lord, he suggested carefully. Their son is missing too, so they would have a vested interest in helping our search. And as the ruling family of Chitamaske, they held a not inconsiderable sway. A search with their backing would reach into and through the city in a way that just him and his troops would never be able to, even if he called down the entire 501st and turned over every stone in the city. Lord Vader rumbled out a low sound of static, lifting up the shivering murk with an idle gesture of his hand as he tilted his head, considering the unfortunate Faleen, and even before it happened, Veers knew how this would end. Or not, as the Dark Lord sent the mercenary floating over to the nearby troopers with a flick of his hand. Indeed they do, General, he agreed as the Faleen fell into the troopers' awaiting hands. Preserve him in the event that he needs to answer more questions, the Dark Lord ordered as the troopers began hauling the murk away. I will deal with him later. Veers grimaced at the thought of having to see any more of his lordship's unique penchant for applying the impossible to achieve decidedly unpleasant means, but he couldn't bring himself to feel all that sorry for people who were the sole reason his son was currently both on the run and fearing for his life. Of course, he was hard-pressed to care about anything else right now, and about as compromised as he could be, which was not good when the exact same could be said for his homicidal commander, who was set to tear Chitamaske apart with cold, calculated precision as he searched for the uncrowned prince. His homicidal commander, who had just proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he could read minds. Clenching his jaw as cold sweat broke out all over him, he quickly focused all attention not needed for directing his troops and forming strategies to clearing his mind now. Minor blessing that the Dark Lord seems to be entirely uninterested in him at the moment as he produced a comm unit from who knows where, probably the Aether, with his lordship's current track record of the day for proving the impossible very much a reality, and dialed up a number with the press of a button. Immediately, Piet's voice crackled to life over the line, and Veers felt his world tip two degrees sideways as he realized Lord Vader had people on speed dial something which he logically knew was the case, but seeing it was just... It was the little things that got to him sometimes. That and his mind was more than a little fried right now. My lord, Piet's voice asked from over the calm, and Veers had to admire how his friend still sounded entirely unflappable in the face of all this. What are your orders? Admiral, I am giving you the task of coordinating our search efforts with the Quarters and the City. Lord Vader ordered immediately, mask tilting over to observe the gardens they were in. I expect them to arrange access to the Green Key Station transport log in order to determine where Luke and the missing students will be heading, as well as access to any of the further stations and security systems in the city. Understood, my lord. Piet agreed promptly. And if they refuse to cooperate? Then inform them that for every scratch on Luke... I will personally be taking a pound of their flesh instead, Lord Vader the Black Death growled, and Veers was acutely reminded of just how fucked they were if Lars wasn't found alive and relatively unharmed. I see, my lord, Piet replied. I will inform them of their options. And Veers could damn well understand the hesitancy there, because holy shit, 
He knew his lord to be menacing and ruthless when it came to dealing with the various local authorities in the Empire, but this was... This had lost all pretenses of civility and diplomatically veiled non-choices. This wasn't even a threat. This was a promise. See that you do, Admiral, the Dark Lord responded, deceptively mildly. I will be taking a small squad of troopers and General Veers with me as I track the mercenaries through the city by other means. I will expect regular updates on your findings and will contribute my own in turn. If any further movements of the Sixth Company are uncovered, I expect to be notified immediately. Wait, what? Yes, my lord. Pierre acknowledged. Will that be all? Not quite, Lord Vader added on. Inform the Quanos that I will be commandeering the vehicle in which we arrived as well for transport. Again, what? Yes, my lord. Pierre acknowledged yet again. And how was this man keeping such a level voice throughout these consecutive verbal blows? Then that will be all, Admiral. I will leave you to your duties, Lord Vader dismissed, promptly hitting the disconnect button. And while the comm unit disappeared back to wherever it had come from, Veers still tries desperately to keep his mind blank and from betraying any of his deeply weirded-out thoughts on everything that had just transpired. As it was, his commander, thankfully, still held about as much interest in him as your average politician held in integrity, and he beckoned Commander Cody over with a gesture. "'Commander, what is the status of your usual squadron for Luke's security?' he asked brusquely. And for a moment, Veers was afraid that they'd be seeing an execution, even if the commander's role in this event for once hadn't been Lars's personal bodyguard. But the commander merely saluted as sharply as ever and immediately began to give a report. Hicks, Slars, and Volt have all been subsumed into the makeshift technology task force. They're working to scour the city's databases for any trail of Engineer Lars and the missing students, and are currently three of the handful of people we have available with that skill set and clearance level. Boomer has been deployed to take care of the remaining explosives that never went off, sir, or that need their residue removed from the site. Kix has been deployed in his capacity as a medic and is helping to care for the injured, as well as make a database of the dead. Finally, Apple and I are stationed here to assist you, my lord. The commander finished his rapid-fire summary of where the seven clones that usually shadowed Lars whenever there was danger afoot were. The Dark Lord rumbled out a low sound that set Veers's teeth on edge and shifted his mass over, treading heavily off of the path and into the clearing of grasses and flowers, attention apparently drawn by something as he passed Veers by. Despite, for the first time in his living memory, being taller than the Shadow thanks to the Suda armor, he still somehow felt small and lesser as the man strode past, something thick and heavy in the air that the filters in his helmet couldn't catch, as the Lord focused on whatever distant thing he was sensing. Standing in dead silence, Veers barely dared to even breathe as disjointed imagery of darkness and ships passing in the night flashed across his mind, a mournful howl that was as questing as it was non-existent echoing through his mind, calling out to something or someone that couldn't or wouldn't answer. Shivering and feeling more vulnerable than he had any right to be feeling while encased in a quarter-ton heavy power armor, Veers resolutely tried to ignore whatever the fuck that had been as Lord Vader spoke up once more. Inform Kicks that no matter how dire his current tasks are, he will have to join our search effort, Lord Vader rumbled out as he still looked out towards whatever distant point he saw that they couldn't. Find him, commandeer the vehicle, and meet us at Green Keys Station. There will be a medic present when we succeed in our search. 
in case it is necessary, was the phrase at the end that everyone heard, but no one dared bring up. Thankfully, Cody was wiser than perhaps all of them, and certainly knew better than to bring it up. Yes, sir, he agreed with a firm nod. We'll be there. Besides... The commander rolled his shoulders, something distinctly menacing entering his posture. The clone commander growled out lowly. And Veers may not be fluent in the Mandoa his troops liked to speak, but he was more than competent enough in the language to understand that tidbit. We will find the Garen and his Gavaralor, sir. For a moment, Veers thought that the commander might have committed a grave mistake by presuming to speak so cavalierly towards the lord in the state he was in right now. But surprisingly, Lord Vader merely inclined his head, not diverting his gaze from that distant point. We will, he agreed. I will accept no other outcome. Something that was already well established, but it was always nice to have confirmation of things like this. Apparently this was nothing new to the trooper, and he merely nodded before turning sharply on his heel and heading out. This was clearly both expected and desired, as his lordship paid no further attention to the trooper, instead walking further out into the clearing, and for a moment Veers was unsure if his commander even remembered he was there. He hadn't been given any orders that he could recall, though admittedly his mind was running on emergency mode, and things were bound to slip through the cracks. Well... Are you planning on merely standing there, General? A deep rumble inquired, and Lord Vader's mask turned back just far enough that Veers could catch a glint of those red lenses. Straightening up under the gaze of his commander, no matter how slight, Veers struggled to find the words appropriate for his slip in situational awareness. I, no, my lord. I will resume my tasks, then, if you have no further need of me. Were you not listening during the con earlier, General? Lord Vader interrupted, and what? What did that? You will be joining me on this search, his lordship continued, unbothered or uninterested in his floundering, and, well, he... My lord? he asked. Even as he promptly began to walk over, self-preservation instincts still strong enough in him to realize that questioning his lordship in any kind of way, without explicitly complying with his orders, was a bad idea at the moment, even more so than it was usually. Hmm... <laughs> The vocoder rumbled out, static skirting the edges as the Dark Lord proceeded into the undergrowth. You are confused as to my orders, General. Yes, but he wasn't about to say that out loud. I see, Lord Vader said, just at the moment where Veers remembered that it was likely a bad idea to think so loudly at the moment. Force he really didn't like this whole mind-reading business. Freezing as best he could, while still forcing his body to keep up with the shadow, Veers kept his mind entirely blank save for the vague sense of dread that he couldn't banish regardless of what he tried. Who knew, perhaps it would even please and pacify his lordship. He seemed to thrive on it, after all. Then tell me, General, his lordship continued idly, and Veers wasn't fooled for a minute. Something that his commander, without a doubt, knew too, and uh, still continued on acting as if there was nothing for him to fear. What exactly do you think you would accomplish in your current state? What? It is your son who is missing as well, after all, is it not? Lord Vader asked, voice still dangerously normal instead of anything else, and shit, shit. 
He refused to speak a single word, but then he didn't have to, as the air seemed to roil around him, and oh, oh, he didn't like that. He especially didn't like how it was giving him severe flashbacks to the hangar of force. Had he lost his last chance to see Zev a couple hours ago without even knowing it? Was this the end? He should have... Enough, Lord Vader commanded sternly, and Veer's thoughts once again fell silent, though as a result of his own fear or something else he couldn't tell. The shadow rumbled dangerously as Veers continued to mechanically force one foot in front of the other at pace approximating a march. Disoriented, disjointed, and desperate, the Dark Lord summed up in a damning judgment, and it took everything in Veers not to flinch. You are ill-suited to any form of organization or leadership at the moment, General Veers, and I will not have you jeopardize the search for Luke and your son with that demeanor. Save Diana, he thought desperately, uncaring through the haze of dread that was rapidly taking over his mind that Lord Vader might hear. I'm so sorry. No one who displeased Lord Vader lived to regret it, not without the sun pacifying the shadows. But you should still prove useful out in the field, the Lord continued as he strode through the underbrush and... Wait, what? Thus you will assist as we track the mercenary through other means that no technology could hope to replicate. Again, what? An explosive gust of static burst out of the vocoder, and Veers had to silence a hysterical thought that noticed that Lord Vader was sighing again. And if he wasn't mistaken, it was once more out of some form of exasperation. Your son, General, Lord Vader repeated. And Veers had to resist freezing again. You wish to find him, do you not? Yes, he answered before he could even think about it. His heart faster on the trigger than his mind. My lord? He hastily added on. Then this is your chance, the lord replied firmly, and that... More than anything, broke through the haze of dread and panic that had been building. A chance to find his son. You will be joining us as we search for Luke in a manner no one else can. If we find Luke, we find your son. So I suggest you regain your senses as soon as you can. Chance search. Luke. Zev. Understood, my lord. He replied as he sorted through the information that had just been dumped on him as quickly as he could. If this was really what he thought it was, then he had to get his head in the game yesterday. Good, Lord Vader rumbled as they stepped out into the clearing. Because we begin now. With that, the shadow stalked off into the small clearing that Veers had little to no idea why he'd searched out in the first place. It was a ways off from the garden path that led straight to the southern exit and was a near straight shot out from where they'd started, an easy exit for Zev and Lars and the others. But Lord Vader was walking towards the center of the clearing with a purpose, so something must have happened here. Sure enough, Lord Vader thrust out a hand into the air and splayed his fingers wide as if reaching out towards something, searching as he tilted his hand this way and that, manipulating something that Veers couldn't see but could swear he almost felt with how thickly it hung around the Lord. Not for the first time, he was reminded of that nerve-shredding fateful day in the main hangar of the Lady when something had roared with a million voices that didn't exist, and nearly clawed its way from wherever it was into their reality with the sheer force of his commander's rage. Something he resolutely never tried to think about, or he would have to confront the fact that it was clearly still there, and perhaps 
always had been. Minor blessings, what little of his luck still remained, decided that today had kicked him in the balls enough, and Lord Vader quickly found what he was searching for. With a flick of his fingers, something small and glinting sailed through the air and smacked into a gloved palm, his lordship immediately turning it over for inspection. A quiet burst of static could be heard, and holding the metallic thing up to the light, Veers could see that it was a slightly deformed canister that looked... Roughly like a cylindrical grenade, what? Turning the little device over again, Lord Vader seems to notice something that Veers didn't, because a hand was held out again towards the metal fence of the garden, and something else promptly zipped through the air that Veers definitely recognized this time, a linchpin. So it was a grenade. I knew it would have to be around this location, the Dark Lord muttered, and Veers blinked. Knew, but how? And then it clicked. Was this... What you saw in the mercenary's mind, my lord? He asked carefully, eyeing the little silvery device, unsure of what kind of significance it posed. But it had to be important if his lordship went out of his way to locate it and had picked it out specifically from the merc's mind. In a fashion, the Dark Lord admitted. And was it just veers, or did the man sound almost amused? Tell me, General, can you recognize what this is? Veers blinked and looked at the metal container in his commander's hand again. Definitely a grenade of some sort, my lord. Not a frag or thermal detonator, considering it is still largely intact. He stated with confidence as he went over its features. He squinted a little closer at it to try and determine more. Unless it never went off, but I doubt it did due to the deformation. It's definitely not of a make I've ever seen before, though. A short burst of halting static made itself known, and for all that Veers was starting to recognize sighs in his commander's inhuman voice, whatever that was was still far beyond him. You would be correct on both accounts, General, the Lord confirmed as he turned over the now confirmed to be a grenade casing in his hand. This is a smoke grenade, and of a make you would have never seen before as it was custom made. Ah, that would explain it. Mercs did so like to distance and differentiate themselves from the armies they emulated with all kinds of custom weaponry. By Luke. Hold the Gwalars. Gwalars? He couldn't stop himself from blurting out as his eyes snapped back down to the expended grenade casing. What the fuck was the young lord doing with custom-made smoke grenades on his person and how hadn't he known of them? Indeed. Lord Vader confirmed mildly, and if Veers didn't know that his commander had no sense of humor, he could have sworn that he was being laughed at. It seems that the Sixth Company made the rather critical mistake of severely underestimating Luke. Severely underestimating? My lord, with all possible respect, he returned, voice shaking, and he couldn't even begin to know how to stop it. What was Engineer Lars doing with custom smoke grenades on hand? What he'd said there to catch the Lord's attention, he didn't know. But the red lenses of the mask turned towards him like tracking gun ports, the full weight of his Lordship's attention crashing down on him. Preparing to defend your son, General, Lord Vader rumbled out, and what? Ours was what? His surprise must have been loud or intense or whatever enough for his Lordship to catch onto as he inclined his head, striding further into the clearing. I am not at liberty to discuss specifics. What? But there is a pact of protection between Luke and your son. 
Okay, that was nice to have confirmed. A pact that Luke must and will treat with all due severity, even if it results in his death. What? Hold on, hold on. There was a pact between his son and Lars that could end in what? Lord Vader halted and glanced back towards him, and for a moment, Veers thought that he might have said that out loud if it weren't for the fact that his mouth felt like it was glued shut. You were not aware, I see, he rumbled lowly. Though I suppose that Cadet Veers has proven that many are not aware of a great number of aspects of himself. Trapped. He was absolutely trapped underneath those lenses and knowing words and by the force he wanted out. What could his commander possibly know about his son that he didn't? And that was also big enough that both lords would take interest in it. What in the name of the force had Zev gotten up to? Veers felt like he'd just been sent into the battlefield blindfolded, while his opponent had access to everything from their eyes to scanners. What the fuck had been going on with his son that this was now happening? Perhaps, Lord Vader spoke up slowly, cutting through the haze of his panic. It is time that you talked to your son, General Veers. Turning back towards the path, the Lord strode forward, but not before adding one final sentence that sent cold sweat down Veers's back. It will not be every time that Luke can extract a vow of protection and silence from those who would be obligated to oppose him. My lord, I... He managed to croak out before falling utterly silent because, well, what could he even say to that? Lord Vader knew something about his son, something he didn't, and it was severe enough that Lars had to put his lordship under an oath of, of... Wait. You... protect him, my lord? He rasped out, barely keeping up with his commander in any manner, let alone a graceful one, as his body rapidly vacillated between buzzing with sensory input and complete numbness. None of that mattered, though. Not in the face of this one ray of hope. If Lord Vader was... was protecting Zev, then... I will assist Luke in the matter should I be called upon, the shadow confirmed, and suddenly Veers could breathe again, even as his mind spiraled at the words, as well as carry an obligation to keep his secrets. He glanced back towards Veers, the sun glinting off of the red plastisteel in a harsh glare, and for a moment he could... he could swear that he saw eyes... Then the shadows shifted back over the lenses, and Veers remembered not to see, especially not when his lordship was still speaking to him. Not to worry, General, Lord Vader rumbled like distant thunder. As long as he maintains his pact with Luke, your son will find no threat from me, nor anyone I have the power to overrule. Luke would not stand for it. He could have sunk down onto the grass in a dead faint of relief if it weren't for his current situation. Everything was still a horrific nightmare where somehow uncrowned princes created and used custom smoke bombs. His son had secrets dangerous enough that he still needed a pact with said prince to protect himself, and Lord Vader knew more about his son than he did. And on top of all that, Zev was still being hunted and lost and missing. But... But if, when, he was found, he would face no threat from Lord Vader, Lars would protect him, and as much as it grated to admit it, he would protect him from greater threats than Veers ever could. Zev would be safe, 
And with Lars's track record of being extremely lenient with Zev's more radical ideas, it wouldn't be a safety so easily broken. Zev would be safe. It made the terror worth it. It made all of this worth it. Thank you, my... my lord. He croaked out, bowing his head deeply towards the shadow that had just given him the words that meant all of those years of strife and pushing his son hadn't been for nothing. It hadn't been. Zev would be safe. Hmm, Lord Vader rumbled. You would do well not to thank me, but Luke. Were it not for him, I can guarantee that your son would have been in a great deal more danger if he had continued on his current path before meeting Luke. A danger that would have been even greater if Luke had proven himself to be unwilling to take the gamble he did and tie your son's fate to his own. That, that didn't make a lick of sense to him, but it unquestionably sounded severe. What had Lars done that would make Lord Vader speak of this, this pact, in terms that sounded so, so ancient and heavy? He wasn't one for the histories or myths or legends. That was his wife's domain. But this, this was starting to sound a lot like something she would know more about than he did. Fates and pacts and vows and secrets. It could just be more of that particular way in which his lordship spoke, but, but somehow... He didn't think that was quite the right answer. Something about this had Lars's fingerprints all over it in ways that seemed to stretch far beyond his sight and understanding, but that all seemed to begin and end with that pact between his son and the uncrowned prince, that pact, and the weirdly out-of-place smoke grenade that Lars had apparently both made and carried with him in anticipation of defending his son, both instances of which Lord Vader seems to be entirely unsurprised by, and also showed a great amount of uncharacteristic respect and deference for now that he thought about it. Something was going on here, and it all pointed to the fact that Lars had somehow stuck out his neck for Zev further than he ever could have anticipated, and if that was the case, then he was deep in the lad's debt, a fact that Lord Vader seems to be hinting at as well. Lord Vader, who was still looking at him intently from the corner of his eye, weighing his reaction and likely thoughts as well, waiting for his answer, and abruptly he realized what he was being measured for, what was being prepared for here. Perhaps his lordship wouldn't object to the title of Imperial Prince as much as they had dreaded he would after all. And perhaps he was far ahead of them all on this point already, perhaps. But for all that he had realized what he was being tested for here, it honestly didn't matter to him. Lars would have his loyalty if it was demanded. After all the young crowned prince had done for him and his men, for his son, he would give it no questions asked. He swallowed deeply and nodded his head firmly. I will, my lord, he applied quietly, answering the words spoken both out loud and not as he accepted his debt. I will. Lars had saved Zeb somehow, tied their fates apparently. And even if he didn't quite understand how or why, that would not be something that went unrewarded. When the lad finally lost the epithet of the uncrowned attached to his title, he would lend his support. For his son, he would. That finally seemed to satisfy the shadow, and he inclined his head towards Veers as they passed through the southern gate. See that you do, General, he rumbled. 
It wouldn't do to let this story go unacknowledged and untold. An odd way to phrase it, but with the world of context that seems to be lurking just out of his reach, he supposed that his commander was referencing something still a mystery to him. When he found Zev, they would need to have a long talk, and he could only hope that his son would trust him with whatever the hell he'd gotten into recently. Lords and oaths, secrets and pacts, it was a mystery to him, but whatever it was, he'd learn it if it would let him understand all of this. Especially since it had landed him in a life debt of fealty with the soon-to-be Imperial Prince. That wasn't nothing. He deserved at least some kind of explanation of what was going on after that, right? Even if it was just the flashcard version. He really needed to find his son sooner rather than later. And not just because he was being hunted by mercenaries with a smoke bomb lobbing engineer as his only protection now, even if that engineer would apparently protect his son with his life. Especially since that engineer would protect his son with his life. He kind of needed Lars alive, debt or no debt. And the lad was too young to die anyway. Never mind that he was the last person who deserved to die alone in an unfamiliar city half a galaxy away from home. After Zav, that is, but he had a feeling that sentiment wouldn't be appreciated in his current company, so he quickly pushed that impulse down in case his lordship was listening in. They were rapidly crossing the street into Green Key Station anyway, and Lord Vader was already striding forwards purposefully, clearly heading towards a particular direction of the station as if following an invisible trail. With a flash of thought, Veers abruptly wondered if minds left trails to be sensed much like bodies could leave trails that could be smelled, and he immediately dismissed that thought as perhaps not incorrect, but a dangerous comparison nonetheless. Lord Vader didn't tend to appreciate people making a mockery of his religion, even if it was unintentional. Still, following his lordship eventually landed Veers in front of a somewhat covert alcove created by stacks of crates, out of the sight of any security cameras and tucked away from view of most who would walk by. Altogether, it looked like an excellent hiding spot if one wasn't encased in a quarter-ton power armor, and Lord Vader's demeanor quickly confirmed it as he looked around the alcove. They lingered here, the Lord confirmed as he ran a hand along the walls, presumably searching for extra clues as to why. And there were strong emotions. Strong emotions. Perhaps they had to catch their breath after running for their lives, he suggested, despite honestly having no clue as to what could have made them pause here first out of everywhere along the way. It was a good choice of hiding place, and he wondered who out of the group had picked it, though he had a feeling that based on all the bullshit he had just gone through, he already had a good idea. Not likely, Darth Vader dismissed, moving around as much as he could in the alcove. The sense of destination is strong here. They, or at least Luke, knew where they were heading. He would not have allowed an unnecessary pause without a purpose, when resting could be done just as easily in transport. Lars again. Though he shouldn't be surprised if someone packed smoke bombs to a formal event because they may have to protect someone they've made a pact with, then they likely had the know-how to stay on the down-low as well, but still. Why would they stop then, my lord? Lord Vader rumbled out a low sound that sent Veers' hairs on end as he inspected a particular point in the alcove. For any given number of reasons, but my suspicion is... Ah, there it is, he responded, reaching out a hand and immediately a string of junk that sparked and cracked as it was dragged out of its hiding place and into the air, 
junk that Veers quickly came to realize had been some kind of electronics before this. Technology that looked an awful lot like... I believe... Lord Vader began measuredly as the junk whirled around in a small vortex above his outstretched hand, defying gravity and logic like it meant absolutely nothing to the Lord. That we have found the reason why none of the missing children can be hailed on their cons. The mask tilted down a little. Or tracked. Comms. Completely destroyed, to the point that Veers didn't think anyone would be able to salvage something off of them, and abandoned far away from where the kids likely were at the moment. And this time he didn't even have to think about who was responsible. Lars was an engineer, of course he would have made them ditch all the things that were essentially trackers and made things so much harder on them. He sighed. Damn the lad for being smart. They ditched their comms, he grumbled, and Lord Vader inclined his head. And I believe Luke's tracker and several other electronics as well. The little vortex of crushed comms and hope came to a halt as various pieces began to twitch out of the way, moving as if being pushed or pulled with pliers, until the Lord found what he was looking for and growled a low, rattling sound that hummed through armor and bone alike. The memory cards were crushed to splinters, the vocoder growled out with an edge of static. If not fine powder... Nothing will be salvaged from them in any useful amount or time frame. Inform the Technology Task Force to abort their attempts at locating any comms or electronics on the children's persons or attempting to access them remotely. Luke was thorough in thwarting their efforts. And Veers definitely wasn't imagining the begrudging pride in that statement. For she didn't even want to know what that meant or was indicating until we got the final story from someone who wasn't liable to crush his throat to a pulp from misspeaking, he might as well not think about any of that any longer and focus on finding his son and his commander's protege, or at least attempt not to think about it any longer. The fact that Zev had somehow gotten tangled up in something that his commander chose to describe as pacts and fates wasn't something so easily dismissed. Still, he had orders to follow. And as Lord Vader made the gravity and reality-defying vortex of junk disappear to who knows where, he certainly wasn't going to ask. He drafted up the notification for the technology task force. Hopefully the team back at their makeshift HQ would know where to go from there now that the lead had dried up, because Veer sure didn't. Putting the finishing touches on his message and debating only for a second or two if the word splinters or fine powder conveyed better just how fucked the kids' cobs were, he sent it off to tech. Not ten seconds later, he got a message back, CCing him by what seems to be accident, considering the number of swears in the opening sentence alone. Still, it contained vital information that he didn't doubt Lord Vader would be interested in. The tech force says they'll cut the attempts at hailing the comms immediately and focus entirely on the security cameras and tracking the remaining mugs, my lord. He reported as he carefully read around the swears. Without a day was going, he wasn't going to try his luck there. Any word on the transport longs of this station? His lordship asked, and Veers had to regretfully shake his head. No, my lord, nothing. Should I ask them about it? He offered, already pulling up the messaging menu again and selecting a fresh plate to start typing on. Do so immediately. The order promptly came as Lord Vader headed out of the alcove, apparently done with the location, though not with the station, given how purposefully he was moving. Send the order to Admiral Piet. Inform him that I expect access to those logs by the time the commanders have commandeered a vehicle. Damn, more strats for Piet, he guessed. 
Sighing quietly enough that his lordship would hopefully not pick up on it, he composed a quick hands-up to Piet on his orders, and also perhaps a somewhat desperate postscript, asking for tips on keeping his mind blank or at least inoffensive to people listening in. Which, if it were anyone else, he would never admit to asking, but he knew that Piet, despite what his straight-laced persona would have anyone believe, had always taken the rumors of the Shadow's abilities the most serious, and, well... He'd have to buy the man a drink at one of the bars here now that they were planet-side forever doubting his belief. If they both got out of this alive, that is, which he didn't fear much from the mercs, there was little they would be able to accomplish against Lars's suta with the weaponry they'd been shown to have so far, but Lord Vader, if Lars wasn't found whole and hale, best not to think of it. Sending off the brief note with a curt wish of luck tacked on at the end, minds could be read and fates could be tied, who was to say that wouldn't help, he picked up the pace after his lordship again. Whatever was going on, they would clearly need to do a hell of a lot more than simply track some comms if they were to get a bead on his son, or apparently his protector, force that still felt odd to think about. Lars was, well, he wasn't what one would think of as particularly dangerous on his own terms, the lad had power, yes, and the potential to make someone's life absolutely miserable if he wanted to, but it wasn't... It wouldn't be the young lord himself doing the heavy lifting as far as he knew, to put it in polite terms. And yet, he was the one who had somehow ended up a protector of his son in a manner that even Lord Vader seems to be respecting as an actual serious claim that was to be deferred to. Not indulged, not humored, but deferred to. Lars, of all people was being treated by his lordship like he stood an actual chance at keeping his son safe while in an unfamiliar city and pursued by mercenaries, the teenager who, yes, had admitted to killing someone in a scuffle, and yes, he'd been theorized by Piet to be far stronger than any of them suspected, but mental strength and killing someone in a scuffle was one thing, acting as a protector was a whole other ballgame, and yet, Lars had carried smoke grenades in anticipation of a brawl, Lars had ditched and crushed anything that could track them into fine splinters just to thwart them further, and the group had disappeared from the station without a trace, only Lord Vader seeming to know in any manner at all where they might be heading, presumably under Lars's protection and guidance if his lordship's word could be trusted on that matter, which left him with one burning question that didn't concern Zev. What the hell was going on with Lars? The lad was pulling stunts entirely uncharacteristic to him, lobbing smoke bombs he'd apparently made and carried around to an official event. Lord Vader was acting like he was honestly reluctant to intrude on what he could only describe as Lars's turf. The lad had wrangled an oath of silence and protection out of Darth Vader against what was apparently his lordship's first instinct of opposition, and had so far managed to evade both the notice of the entire 501st and 6th Company, with several other people in tone. How? How in the whole thrice-be-damned galaxy could a happy-go-lucky, somewhat oblivious, carefree, and suicidally compassionate and kind teenager be accomplishing all of this? It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Unless he'd missed something. And if he was honest, the thought of having missed something big enough, drastic enough, that it could alter Lars's entire person this much from what he thought he knew was terrifying. What was the uncrowned prince hiding that meant not even Lord Vader was willing to intrude on or show disrespect to this pact? What was he missing here? Did he even want to know? That last question was honestly what snapped him out of the spiral he was getting stuck in. Did he want to know? 
Did he really want to know what was apparently severe enough to make even his commander tread lightly? To make Darth Vader, Shadow of the Empire, think twice about crossing the person who'd claimed protection over Zev? Was he even ready to confront whatever the hell could be responsible for that? He swallowed deeply and stuffed the question down as he followed his lord's billowing mantle out onto one of the departure platforms, the trail, or whatever it was he was following, apparently indicating that this was where the group had come through before disappearing entirely off of any radar they had. He would have the time to ponder this kind of stuff when no one's lives were actively on the line, especially not Zev's. His commander's stride slowed down and eventually came to a halt in the middle of a platform, and if it weren't for the fact that he'd seen the Lord do this earlier, he would almost say that the man looked lost. My Lord, he asked carefully as the mask slowly swiveled around, taking in the scene. The trail goes cold here, Lord Vader responded curtly, and Veers honestly didn't know what to say to that, because how did you even begin to respond to something you couldn't see or sense in the first place? Their false signatures simply vanish after this point. He blinked. Force signatures, my lord? He asked. Uncertain he'd heard that right, but it seemed Lord Vader was far from in the mood to explain anything of how a mysterious occult entity had anything to do with this as he began to pace along the platform, searching for the signatures that he had apparently lost the scent of, or something to that effect. Veers wasn't going to question it. He was going to question a lot of other things, mind you, but not that. Not while his commander was pacing the departure platform like a predator looking for a prey that had eluded him. Instead, he figured his best bet was to try and see if he could find anything that could help them along, noting down the platform number, 17B, and, regrettably, not the destination, seeing as the Green Key Station, go figure, didn't announce the departure or destination of any cargo trains. It was almost like they were running a normal station here, and not one geared toward facilitating the tracking of any of their trains. Useless nonsense. Unfortunately, unlike Lord Vader, apparently, he wasn't particularly skilled in detective work, nor did he possess any kind of extraordinary abilities that let him track signatures like a bloodhound, and his efforts quickly ran dry. He was a general, not a private detective, dammit. Fortunately, however, he didn't have to try at all or watch in concern as his commander grew more and more frustrated with the lack of trail, growling lowly for long. Lord Vader's calm chimed, and with quick movements that were looking uncomfortably close to animalistic or the hangar incident, his lordship produced the calm from out of nowhere and activated it. Speak, he barked into the device, and the veers almost let his posture sag in relief once he heard who was on the other side of the line. Sir. We've come into the speeder and are parked outside, Commander Cody's voice came in over the comms. We've also received the transport logs from the Green Key Station from Admiral Piet. So if you want to know what we're looking for, we're ready to head out. Thank the fucking force for that. He wasn't sure how much longer his lordship's patience with the world around him would have lasted, even if it had been oddly long up until now. And apparently Lord Vader agreed, as he was already heading back towards the entrance of the station before the commander had even finished his sentence. Good. He heard the Lord answer as he kept pace with the man back through the stacks of crates and quickly scattering people. Copy that, sir, came the reply. Commander Cardi, over and out. With that, there was no more talking as the calm was promptly spirited away again to whatever place the Lord stored things, probably an interdimensional rift with how his day had been going, if he was being honest, and Lord Vader set a fast pace for the exit. They exited the bronze rot station mere minutes later, and Veers found that, even in the suta and with longer legs, 
He was struggling to keep up with his lordship in any kind of dignified way that didn't have him in an awkward pace between walking and jogging. Thankfully, he no longer had to try, as three troopers were waiting for them in a loose parade formation with the commandeered speeder behind them, and Veers abruptly realized why Lord Vader had requested this speeder in particular. Besides being a reinforced custom, luxury commercial speeder that was essentially just a tank in disguise, with some very stylishly hidden armor plating as thick as his hand was long, and doubled up blaster and impact resistant glass that would be perfect for transporting the young lord and his own son, the speeder was also something else that he just remembered was also very important. Big. As in, big enough to fit several individuals over two meters tall, and collectively easily weighing in over one and a half tons big, with space for another couple of passengers to boot. Which was important, because they did need to fit several passengers all over two meters tall, and collectively weighing over one and a half tons, and hopefully several others as well. Something which absolutely wouldn't be happening in a normal speeder, not specifically built with repulsors strong enough to lift a tank or two if necessary, which he hadn't thought of. Perhaps Lord Vader was holding it together better than he first thought. Better than he was, in any case, though apparently his lordship knew that too and seemed largely permissive of that fact in an odd bout of sympathy he hadn't really expected. Still, no time to think about that, as the speeder's doors were already slowly gliding up and opening, revealing the thick armor they were made of. No one bothered with salutes or pomp, the troopers simply nodding curtly towards Lord Vader and himself in respect and solidarity, before turning to enter the speeder they must have just exited. All in the back seats, lining the sides of the speeder, though, for some reason, and he found it more than a little puzzling until he saw Lord Vader duck into the vehicle and with it the pilot's seat. Ah, this would be interesting. He stepped into the speeder himself, and not a moment too soon as Lord Vader promptly hit the button to close the doors. Hastily looking for a place to sit, as he sensed that there would be no waiting for him to find his seat if he didn't hurry it up, he looked towards the back of the speeder only to find Commander Cody quietly holding out a hand to block him, shaking his head, gesturing a quick inquiry because what? Lord Vader wouldn't be waiting for him to find a seat and was, in fact, already working his way through the startup sequence. But the commander shook his head again and gestured towards the co-pilot seat next to Lord Vader's and with the navigation screen already open. Oh... Stifling a sigh, because of course that would be his fate for this ride and probably every other one, he made his way to the front of the speeder and seated himself into the co-pilot chair, while trying very hard not to think about who was right next to him cycling through all of the checks of the speeder before they headed out, even though they'd all likely been done already by the troopers. With the way he knew the Lord flew in battles, he wouldn't doubt that the man had very different standards of perfection. Well, Lord Vader rumbled, not even looking up from where he was checking all the repulsor outputs. The commander uploaded the transport log to the navigation computer, General. I would suggest not letting his efforts go to waste. Right, better get to work. Securing himself to the seat, he began sorting through the transport log in front of him, quickly finding that he did not have the know-how necessary to untangle the dense mess of abbreviations, jargon, and... There is an agenda attached to the file, Lord Vader rumbled still not looking up from his calibrations, and Veers resisted freezing again as he suspected he'd just been, well, best not to think about it. In the file he found the agenda, extra notes from Piet, and a four-step guide in the postscript on clearing his mind to be practiced on the fly as well as a terse good luck, which, if he was honest, he could use it right about now. With the note in tow and a promise to himself to double that round of drinks for his friend if they ever got the chance, he began to decode the station operator jargon and abbreviations with the occasional acronym that were as complicated as they were frustrating, 
He wouldn't have made it as a code cracker, he could notice that much. Thankfully, all he needed was the departures from Platform 17B, paired with the approximate time of the attack, and they'd be golden. Probably. He really hoped that the station hadn't been jam-packed with departures from that platform that day or things could get ugly. Even more thankfully, it turned out it wasn't. 137 lines down the list, he finally found the one for 17B. 137 lines who made this system, and mercy of mercies, it only had one departure listed that was even remotely around the time of the attack. Looks like they were heading for the Water Crystal Station in the industrial heart and harbor of the city, my lord. He read off from the list, double-checking everything to be sure he'd absolutely read that right, before consulting the map. It's near due southwest of here, where the harbor opens up into Chitadak Bay, overlooking the water. Set the destination, Lord Vader immediately ordered, finishing the startup sequence with the final press of a button that had the engines humming louder as the speeder once more prepared for takeoff. Probably not for the last time today. We leave immediately. Yes, my lord, he complied, punching in the coordinates and hoping that this would all be over soon enough. The computer accepted the numbers and spun up a loading sound consisting of one, two, three beeps before chiming happily, the new route flashing up on the screen and promptly copying itself over to Lord Vader's side of the cockpit cum driver's seat. Barely paying it a glance, Lord Vader began to open the throttle on the repulsor thrusters as the speeder slowly reoriented itself from its parked position and swung around to face the open air. All systems operational, Lord Vader muttered as he scanned the dish in front of him. Very well, then that leaves one last piece of advice for everyone. Really, the sounds of the troopers bracing themselves in the back of the speeder should have tipped him off, but still he had to ask. What would that be, my lord? Lord Vader readjusted his grip on the yoke as the speeder finished repositioning. Hold on. With that, he slammed the thrusters open, the sudden velocity throwing veers into the back of his seat as the speeder shot into the sky at dizzying speed narrowly missing several sky lanes as the Lord definitely performed more than a couple of illegal maneuvers, dipping in and out through traffic until they reached largely clear skies. Then, with the nose of the speeder pointing southwest and nothing to stop them, the throttle fully opened and they were off, zipping through the air like an arrow as Veers clutched to the side of his seat, possibly tearing holes into the seating and screaming, or possibly not, but definitely terrified out of his mind as they skimmed past buildings and vehicles far too close for comfort. Hopefully this would be over quickly. Then the speeder turned on its side, and shot straight for a narrow opening between buildings and Veers couldn't have stopped himself from panicking if he tried, as his lordship apparently decided that regular stunt flying was for beginners. Dear Force, let this be over quickly. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Dockray, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.